0: Well, let me pray before I start. Holy Spirit, I thank you that today I get to um share Your Word. I pray that I get out of the way long enough that You can speak through me, and I thank You that as I um as my family sleeps, You bless them and You keep them and You keep them all asleep and not waking up. In Jesus' name, Amen. Because we all know that if they're waking up, then I'm going to get in trouble from my wife. How are you guys? Well, just to warn you, I'm a I'm a, I'm a yeller and a spitter. So if you If you don't like that, you should leave now. Um, It's just what I do. I've been traveling the U.S. now. I've been on the road for two weeks in in the U.S. I've got another two weeks to go. This trip alone, we've seen about 600 decisions for Christ in the last two weeks. and That's great. And the end of last year, from July 1 through the the end of December 30, we saw 7,500 decisions for Christ through the ministry of what we're doing. So we're we're excited and we're thankful that we get to come to churches like Generations to partner and see God do something phenomenal around America. And I believe God has got, again, I think the church is in an awakening time. I I don't know if you realize that the world's kind of crazy at the moment. And I go, whatever is going on, I just know one thing, that God is still God. And He's still on the throne. And that me as a Christian, I'm going to do all I can to get as many as I can into the boat with me to see Jesus one day. So I pray that you're on that with me, and thank you, Pastor Scott and Melissa, for having me today. I know that it's going to be a great day. I've got a message today, and it's just simply, it's called In the Details. Let me introduce you before I start. This is my wife and kids. Um, You can't really see that. The little guy who you can't see, his name is Knox, and he's a little crazy. He jumps out of trees that he shouldn't jump out of. My wife is River, and she's, she's on the left-hand side or right-hand side to you. And then Rome is in the middle, and Zion Brave is at the back. So that's my family. And if you would, I'd love you to be praying for them because they, um, they need more grace on the journey than I do at the moment. Because, yeah, they're, they're, they're good. They like to model a little bit. <laughs> I should just have a praise break, right? You should take them down. Have you ever started something, not finished something? I was, I'm, I'm amazing at doing that. Like I, I, I would start doing some things in my, my, my house. And then I, if you go into my house right now, you can go in. And we started painting about seven years ago. <laughs> and you can go in and you can look downstairs. The downstairs looks great. We've got two white rooms at the moment. We have some beige rooms. And then if you go up the staircase, because we went into a house that was pink. No one likes a pink house. Um, and so we, we started painting the staircases, but at the top of the staircases where it goes up, at the top of it I couldn't reach. And so if you went into our house today, you'd still see that there is pink walls near the top of the ceilings because I, I couldn't reach them. I, I start things and sometimes don't finish them. Have you ever tried to take the shortcut around things? I, a few years ago, we used to have the thing called the, the, the street atlas in Australia. It was called the UBD. And the UBD was amazing. Uh, So good was the UBD that I would get my wife to sit in the the, the passenger seat of the car and she would sit down and she would start to, I would say, hey, we need to go to the city. Now, we wouldn't want to go the tolls in Sydney because the tolls in Sydney, you'd end up spending half your pay just on the tolls. And so we would go, hey, we're just going to go the the long way and say, it's on page 186 of P9. And my wife is creative. Um, she's a photographer, she's a painter She is all things creative And she's, a, she's creative when she reads maps as well <laughs> And so we would find our house on page 33 At H8 And she would go to our house and go to the next page And we'd go, how are we going to get there? And she would do the flip and flip Now we'd find out where we got to I mean, these days I just thank God for Siri You know what I mean? But she would go to P9 And then she would all of a sudden turn it upside down now, in suing of her up, turning it upside down, I'll then say, as the logical man that I am, because I think in squares and shapes, I think inside the box, she thinks outside the box in colors and shapes, she says, I think inside boxes and grids. And she says, Joel, oh, this is where we've got to go, and it's upside down. I'm like, where are we going? We're not going to Tasmania. <laughs> like... <laughs> Next, you know, we end up in like Atlanta or something. Like, we're driving from Sydney. We end at the airport, and off we go. Like, I have no idea where we're ending up with my wife sometimes. And sometimes we would go that I would get halfway there and go, "I know where I'm going. Stop it." Now, every wife knows that when the man says that, that rage starts to happen inside you. I mean, maybe it's worse in Texas because you carry guns, but I mean. I mean, I I go to Australia and we're scared of the word guns, let alone in In Texas. You come and they're like, he shot a gun. (laughs) Like They took every gun off Australians because we were convicts, you know what I mean? (laughs) So we would go through these moments and the fight wouldn't start to happen. Just put it away. I'm done with it. I, I know a better way. And I'll take my shortcut. Now, the shortcut would go a few extra lefts, a few extra rights, and then would end up in a dead end. And I'd say, I'm okay. I know where I'm going. She goes, no, you don't. And if you know my wife, she kind of can get a little fiery at times, and, and we get a little um, creative with our language at each other sometimes. You know, it's a, We call them fights every now and then, but our kids don't know them as fights. They're just colorful conversations. <laughs> with, a little to- with high tones and intonations, we just use it all. Sometimes, we, we never use French in our household though. Um, but as we, were, we, were, we would drive somewhere and we get lost. And she goes, if you just had to listen to the details, Joel. And, and sometimes I have the spirit of Jesus when he spoke to his mother. I want to say woman. But I know that's not good for my marriage. <laughs> it's not good. I know where that ends up and it's usually the lounge. You know what I mean? And I say, we would have a conversation, and finally at the point, we'd look at each other, we would, we'd drive home, because we're now an hour and a half late to the place we had to be, we wouldn't go to where we wanted to be, we'd drive home, and we would be angry at each other the whole way home, because we wouldn't do the details. I'm a male, and I will tell you this, that if there's a shortcut on hand, I'll take the shortcut, because I don't want to spend an extra 10 minutes in traffic. And everyone in Houston said... I'm telling you, but one thing I've worked out when I've started to go to the, the, the source of all the knowledge of good and evil right now, it's like Siri. She tells me that if I go, there's a 10 minute delay. At least I know now and I can follow her details. But when she starts telling me where to go, that I think I know better, I turn her off. <laughs> and there's never a fight. But did you realize that God actually is the same with you and I? He has details and things, that, places you need to go and do. He, he sent you into your workplace and you're trying to do shortcuts and get away with things. You're trying to get around areas where you don't have to be in conversations with people. You're trying to not engage in the, the, the spiritual conversations because it's kind of scary or the hard conversations because you don't know if you've got the knowledge. And God just says, I need you to be a vessel for me and be, do the details I've asked you to do. So today I want to be able to help us. I'm still on this, the journey, and I believe I'm preaching it myself today. So if you have a Bible, turn your Bibles to 2 Kings 5, chapters 1, verses 1 through 18. And I'm a, a, when I read the Bible, it comes alive to me. It's like a movie. I mean, So I'm, I'll, I'll paraphrase in parts, and the, the guys at the back will have to deal with how I read the Bible. But there's a story of Naaman, and Naaman was a, 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 a mighty man of valor in the land of Syria. And he was the, one of the highest positions in the army and he was strong and he was probably very similar to a Texan with his guns, you know, like he was good. But he went on a raid one day and it says he took a, a girl from the land of Samaria and took it into his house from a raid and she became a servant in the household. And in this moment, she was now a servant to his wife, but couldn't be his servant because he had been given a disease called leprosy. Now, leprosy, let me time out, was what we would probably consider in the, the 80s, the HIV virus, where it was like ah, we don't want to... That was kind of what leprosy was of the ancient day. They, they, if you found out to have leprosy, you'd be then taken out of community and sent to the outside of the city walls and said, stand on this wall, you are now no longer a part of a community, you're now part of an ostracized community. Now, that wasn't fun for anyone, so they kind of didn't come out to it. it. People knew, but they didn't want to talk about it yet. He hadn't gone through all the problems. And as time goes on, you're, with leprosy, your fleshy parts, your skins and your earlobes and your nose, the parts of the flesh you would start to scab over and fall off. Now, here is Naaman, a, a mighty man of valor with this disease. Stuck in it, and he, this, this little girl, probably eight, nine years old, has been coming as a servant into the household. And she says, oh, that my king, oh, that my master would go and see the, 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 the prophet Elisha in the land of Samaria, that he would, make, that he would heal him. And here is, um, what do you do when you get a word from God? Do you listen to the details? And here's his wife. I believe your wives will do anything for their families. My wife is like, she will go all out to make sure we find every area of healing. If they can get education, they'll get education. A wife and a mother is so good at taking care of things that she goes, I'm going to take care of him. She goes to Naaman and says, Naaman, can you please go and see the king that he'd give you a letter to go and see this man in Israel that you could find a healing today? It's like, okay. So he goes to the king of Samaria and the Samarian king says, I'm going to write you a letter to the king of Israel. Uh, that's like sending a time bomb to a foreign government. I mean, I I don't know if you know what's going on in the Middle East right now. Israel and Syria kind of don't like each other. They kind of was the same back then. And here is this moment where this king says a a letter and that, that would allow him to cross borders because the king has sent you a letter just so you know that your king has already sent you a letter that you can cross borders. And so the king has sent him a letter so he can go through all the areas all the way into the king's palace. Now here it is. This letter gets to the king. And the king goes, who am I that I am a god to make alive or dead? So he tears his clothes. And in this moment, Elisha has heard from God via Instagram. (laughs) And he sends his messenger to the king's palace and says, put your clothes on, king, and send him to me. And so he, he gets all these things together. It says Naaman took him all a whole bunch of money. It says it took him 10 changes of clothing. That's how you know his wife packed for him. <laughs> and he took some mates. That's how you know he's Australian. And he gets on his donkey and he rides off into the sunset to Elisha's house. And as he's a, a, a distance away and there's a gate around Elisha's house, the, the messenger is now sent. The aid of Elisha sends him out and says, stop. Go wash in the Jordan seven times. Have you ever wanted like God to be really clear with you and actually have like, you want Pastor Scott to come and lay hands five times on you and then pour all the oil on you and you want to see God do something miraculous because it's going to take the man of God. Well, let me tell you, even back then it was a moment where people wanted that and Naaman goes, surely this man will come out and wave his hand on me and I will be healed. Surely it will take that. he goes, just go wash seven times in the Jordan, and you'll be healed. And it says, he goes away in rage and says, aren't the Abner and the Farpah far grander rivers in, 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 in Syria, aren't they more beautiful? But he wants me to go to these, this river in Israel. Last year, I got to visit the Jordan, and the Jordan's terribly dirty. It's muddy, it's stony, and it's like... Ugh. But here he is going, i want these beautiful rivers of where I'm from. And he walks away in rage. He gets on his donkey. And I, I, when you're in Israel, to get from Israel back to Syria, you have to follow the Jordan. And I believe that as he was going along the Jordan, the Jordan was screaming at him. His whole journey home. And he wasn't going to do it. He goes, I'm going to go to where I think is better because I'm going to do the details that I want, not what God wants. Today, I want to help us. See, I, I believe that we've got a generation of young people and people that want the, the success without the hard work. They want the muscles without the doing the, the, having the weights and the protein. They want the, they want the weight loss without the hard work. We're, we've got a generation that is trying to find every quick option. And they won't do the details and the, and the things to get to where God's called them to be. So this morning, I would love to think that we have a generation of, 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 from young to old, and say, I'm going to do the details that God has asked me to do. Because if we do those, I believe we'll be lights in our, in our, in our, in our communities, we'll be areas of, of influence when we become the detail workers. So, can you turn to your neighbor and just say, It's in the details? 2, 2 Corinthians 12 9 says, My grace, God's grace. His unmerited, undeserved favor is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. So I want to give you three, you got to do the details with Jesus. Number one, is you got to do everything he tells you to do. It says, Jesus fulfilled all scripture and prophecies. He did everything so we could know salvation, even to death on a cross. He did all. I don't know, it's, it says that we need to be like Christ, we need to be small Christ in our everyday. When will you do all that he's asked you to do? When was the last time you really spent time with Jesus in your, your everyday? Because all he's wanting is you to spend some time with him. He wants you to read your Bible and he wants you to pray and he wants you to fight for the, 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 the lost and the broken. He wants you to fight for the, the, the widows and the orphans. He wants you to. But when, you, when was the last time he did those things? Because I believe that if you do the details with Jesus, that's what will happen. You'll do them. You're going to start doing everything he tells you to do in your workplace. Don't cut corners. In your workplace, don't look for the shortcuts. Be the light and the example of Jesus Christ in that place. Because I, pr- I promise you that in that it's just a great success and good reward will follow you. Meditate on my, my word day and night. And I'll give you great success. The thing is we've got a generation that's kind of become a little ADD. And I, I believe that ADD is a very real thing in this generation. Um, I sometimes, I believe it takes a little bit of discipline to get it, to, to, to shape it and take some great parenting to bring it into alignment. But I also believe that it's very real. We also have a thing called spiritual ADD. The people kind of get a little bit sidetracked by the things that they've got in their pockets. They get sidetracked by their money or they get sidetracked by their, 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 their phones. Have you never noticed that your phone becomes your worship? That your Instagram or your Facebook or your social media inter- interactions or your, your who you're going to call or who you're going to text becomes the thing that you kind of get sewed into? I kind of put it as we put functional saviors in place of Jesus in our everyday. And you don't want another functional saviour, you just want the saviour. But for some reason, we, I put my family in front of Jesus sometimes. I put my workplace, I, put my, 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 I sometimes put preaching in front of Jesus, and that's kind of a dangerous place to be. And if it's very real for someone, and I'm no different than every one of you, I just got a different job. And I, I get to, I've got to make sure that I put Jesus in place, so this morning I, I wake up and go, God, get my attention today. Because if I allow God to take my attention off of my circumstances, everything else aligns with him. And then my circumstance has to align with him. But when you focus on your circumstance, your circumstance takes charge. And that becomes, becomes your savior. This morning, can I get you to take your eyes off your problems and start looking at the promise? So number one, you've got to stop thinking. You've got to, you've got to start doing everything he told you to do. A few years ago, I was in school i know uh, as roughly about 10 or 11 maybe longer now i I finished school but i i got to go to a high school that was kind of fun it was good they made me wear plaid pants i mean that's fun right like it's great for a man with trying to get his confidence up they made me wear plaid pants it was called a royal plaid as well so it was it was okay very very commonwealth um and i would they were tight it wasn't really cool for a guy with big legs um but I was back then skinny with a big head in year 11 and 12. And God had said, Joel, I want you to be a, a standout in your, in your school this year. I'm like, what does that look like, God? He goes, well, and he took me to Joshua. And Joshua says, wherever you tread your feet, there I'll give you that land. And I, I went, okay, God, I'll, I'll start doing what that means. And so the first week I went to school, it felt like I should walk around the school and pray. So I walked around the school and prayed one day. Um, and then I forgot about it. Because that's kind of what you do with God tells you to do something every day, you just do it once and then you think you've done it. Uh, so that's what I did. And so I just fast forward about six months, seven months, and I felt God say it again. Ah, God, like they, I'm not the most popular kid already. I'm a little ugly, like help me out here. Um, and did you ever have conversations with God like that? Like, really, Jesus? Like, you want me to do that? Like, please, like, like can you do me just something cool? Like, like, maybe, like, help me float around the room, and then they'll all follow you, like, something. <laughs> like, just give me an X-Men fact, you know, like, please. But no, it was walk around the school, Joel. And so I walked around the school again, and I didn't do it again for another six months. And At the end of school, I, we, I wanted to go for the, the class president. I wanted to be the, the captain of the school. That's what we called it, the captain. And we had prefects, and prefects were just part of the student representative council, and they oversaw, had a, a leader for every grade, and I went for school president thinking I would get the presidency, but everyone knows that when you're going up against the principal's son, uh, you're never getting that. I mean, he, was, he had red hair and he had freckles and he still got the job, you know what I mean? And he was no David, that's for sure. And so he got the job and they took me aside and said, Joel, you're just not going to get a job like that this year. I'm like, but come on, look at me. They're like, we are. I'm like, oh, Okay. And so we went through the situation. I said, maybe they'll give me like the, 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 the year 11s or the year at 10s, the kind of kids that need a little bit of leadership in their life because I'm a good leader. And they gave me the year 7s that, um, that smelt a little bit strange, that didn't have any underarm hair and um, had voices that were squeaking a lot. <laughs> and I had to be their leader. And I'm like, this is like the worst job in the whole school. Because do you know what happens when you become the year seven leader? When you're in year 12 and you've got a senior, like you've got a common room where you can go and hang out with all the senior guys, but year seven kids have no friends, so they consider you their friend. So they follow you into the seniors' common room. And they say, hey, you can't bring them in here, Joel. We're doing senior things. What's different than like you're sitting there? You got to go. And so I would go and these kids would follow me. I felt God in the year 12 say, Joel, I asked you to walk around your school. Will you walk around the school? I went, okay. So I'd get the early bus so no one would see me. And I had two year seven kids that got on the bus at the same time. So they just followed me around the school as I prayed. That was fun. And then I started to find that it kind of got exciting because I made it exciting. by um, There was a room that was open one afternoon after school. And so I I went into the room. I kept it unlocked by putting a piece of paper in the door. And the next morning when I got to school, I um, I went to the same room that I kind of left a piece of paper in the door jam. Not that that was breaking in or anything. I don't condone that, but it was fun in year 12. I opened the door and I walked in and prayed around the room. That was fun. So I kind of made it my thing that I'd pray on every single room on campus. Now, that was going to take me a good six months, and so I made it kind of fun. I wasn't in every room, but I had year seven kids that were in nearly every room. And so I'd ask them to leave windows unlocked or doors unlocked for me at the end of day so the next morning I could get into the room and pray. There was some days where I had 10, 15 kids following me as would climb through windows into classrooms to Pray. And I would get on top of classrooms and I'd have my carpe diem moment and I'd say, God, you give me this land today. I thank you that every kid who comes under these tables will get to know who you are. Because I was in a Christian school but they didn't know Jesus because for some reason the Saudis. Um, And nothing happened until the end of the year and I got to preach for my first ever time at my year seven chapel and I had a 45 minute message and I spoke it in five minutes and cried. (laughs) just how it was. And as I... I saw three kids make decisions for Christ that day. It was amazing. It was the first time that I got that exhilarating moment of leading someone to Jesus. And now I leave the school and nothing's happened but three kids. Like, God, you said I was going to give me the land. Like, that's not land. They're like like kids who just needed Friends. Nothing happened, and I started into my role as a, a youth pastor and did some things with young people, and we, 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 we grew a youth ministry, and we got to influence some, some high schools over the time. And then I was, a couple of years later, probably about six years later, I went to a like, there's a big, big function. as I'm at this function, it was kind of like the Kingdom Youth Conference that you guys were at but about, 10, 15 times bigger than that. And I went to this thing, I was racing from the front to the back to go to the restroom. Just We would say the toilet because that's where you've got to go in Australia. I mean, I don't know what Americans do, but they've got to go and rest sometimes, but it's a whole other thing. Americans don't like to call things as it is uh, for some reason. It's politically correct to not call it the toilet. Is that too far? Sorry. Sometimes I get moments where I'm like, I just need to get the politically correct things out of my world. Just how it is. And Maybe that's just an Australianism. Do you think that it's an Australianism? Yeah. Sorry. Maybe Texas should do that. But as I was going to the restroom, this kid grabs my arm and like, not now. You know when you and I'm like, oh, hi, my name's Joel and he and he said his name and I'm like, Oh, that's great, man. Like he goes, You're my year seven prefect. Yes, sweet, great. Go to the restroom. He's like, No, 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 can I tell you a story? I'm like, Yeah, tell me the story, man, go for it in five minutes. Just five minutes, please. And he's like, no, no, it's now. No. He goes, in year seven, you were like my year seven prefect, and I would follow you around doing like strange things in school. It was fun. I didn't know what you were doing, but it was fun. And then in year seven, you, you prayed this prayer in a chapel, and I found Jesus that day. Amazing, man. Woo! yeah, got out of the toilet. <laughs> and... He goes, no, no, you don't understand. I'm now the school president or the class captain of my whole school. That's great, man. Well done. It means nothing to me right now. I just, just wait for three minutes. Let me tell you a story. He goes, when you found Jesus that day and you know, I found Jesus on the altar court at chapel, I've now gone to church and I've got influenced by Jesus and I live for him. Oh, amazing. So good. He goes, what you don't understand is now I've got, I'm the captain of the school and I said, my position is I'll take the school lunchtime group like that's cool, well done because there's 350 people in that lunchtime group now say that again (laughs) how many have made decisions over the last couple of years about 300 decisions in our school for Christ I left with no knowledge of what would happen but but just by chance maybe me doing the details of walking around the, the school and doing everything he told me to do Praying day in and day out that God, give me this land. Maybe the land was coming just not when I was there. When was the last time you walked around your workplace before people got there and said, God, give me the land today? When was the last time you walked around the, the local Starbucks and said, God, let me have an influence in this place today? Where is it that you go that you can have an influence? Because you've got to do everything he tells you to do. 1 Samuel 15, says, It's obedience greater than sacrifice. See, it was a sacrifice for me not to go to the, the, the schoolrooms. It was obedience that sent me to the rooms. Will you be obedient to the call of God in your life? Number two is you've got to stop thinking rationally. What about like in Matthew 9.20 when the woman with the issue of blood, see, she was dirty, Despicable told to stay on her, her outpost, stay outside the community. See, if she touched anyone, they were now dirty as well. They were now filthy. But when she touched Jesus and stopped thinking rationally, everything changed. Jesus now became dirty. And why did Jesus have to become dirty? So she could be clean. Do you understand that the cross is the most despicable way of dying in history? And the reason he took every pain and punishment was so you no longer have to live dirty. Your sin is not a different, isn't, isn't the reason you can't get to Jesus. Your brain is. Stop thinking with your brain and start going with your heart because he's calling it. It says inside your heart is a, is an open space made for Jesus. Eternity is placed inside every heart. Will you allow him in? The, I stand at the door and knock. We have a generation who are, who are, who are getting knocked on but are, uh, not opening up because they're opening up. And there's nothing wrong with thinking big, it's the problem with thinking silly. What about Zacchaeus, the tax collector? And his, I, I pictured Zacchaeus like this little dude, like real tiny, maybe close to midget size. And like, don't tell me you haven't read that and said, Well, he's very short. There's got to be a reason. I, my head does some strange things when I read the Bible, and it's okay, it's allowed to. I reckon we should make some more movies about the Bible. And so he runs and he climbs a tree. Jesus wasn't surprised to see Zacchaeus in the tree. He was just thankful that he did. Will you be found to be thinking rationally and behind the crowd or will you be willing to do something silly up a tree? Because that day a tax collector, a gangster... With all these posse, it says that found Jesus eating at their table. And as they were eating at the table, he didn't say, I am the great, I'm the most high, I am the alpha and the omega. He just had lunch with them. And in having lunch with them, what happened? Zacchaeus stands up and says, This day salvation has come to me and I will pay restitution. Stop thinking rationally. Because rationality gets in the way in the past there was a big thing called the wesleyan quadrilateral and they had rationale as one of the greatest parts of that i actually think that if we go too far rationale we'll miss jesus because he comes to baffle you the king came as a baby the king came riding on a on a donkey we were looking for a knight in shining armor and we got a a a carpenter on an ass Stop thinking rationally with it. 1 Samuel 17, what about if David had a said, you know what, I'm not going to deliver the cheese, I'm just going to eat it all on my own. And he had a thought rationally when he saw Goliath and went, hmm, it's a little bit too big for me. What about if Jesus in the scourging block saw the guy come with the cat-of-nine-tails with the, the hooks and the, the, the pieces of metal that were going to rip his skin from flesh to bone and rip them off? Had a said, nah. no. Not now. Do you understand there's, from my understanding, there's about 39 strains of disease in in, in society. Everything comes from 39 strains of disease. And from those strains of disease, do you know how many stripes Jesus bore? 40. So when we say by his stripes we are healed, so we would not have healing today if Jesus said stop. Would you stop thinking rationally for five minutes to let Jesus speak to you? Because he is like a radio speaking to you all day and you are, like you're, you are just missing the moments with him. So when will you give up the pride that holds you back or the insecurities that grip your life or the mistakes that you held on to so long ago? Your mistakes do not define you. The problems you're holding don't define you. Your circumstance isn't who you are. Your problem isn't you. Your promise is. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. If you're going to give everything, you have to give all those things away as well. Your sin that you want to hold, those things that you want to grip onto. Number three is, I'm going to get the keys to come up. You've got to go all the way. Naaman was an interesting character because he was the king. He was like the, the man over everyone and didn't want to look weak. And it was too easy what, Na- what Elisha had told him to do. And do you realize that the voice of God actually in the, the details he's given you are usually simple things? Like love your family so people can, love, can notice what love looks like. A good family is one of the greatest community things in the world. Hey, love the unlovable. Cross the road to someone who, who shouldn't be. Break down the divides in society. Stop putting like, what the, the world says is normal in place of what God has said is right. Stop, stop thinking rational. St- start doing everything he's told you to do and go all the way. See, I picture Naaman. I'll get the, the, someone to come and just play, twinkle on the keys to make me sound spiritual. Naaman gets to the river. And the, the river screamed at him the whole way for hours as he's riding his donkey. I'm right here, Naaman. See, sometimes when you're going through your circumstances, God's just going, I'm right here. I'm right here. Just enter in today. Just enter in today. Just enter in today. And the Jordan is there and he gets there and he, he walks into the water after fighting with it for so long. And he fights with it because he knows that if something doesn't happen, he's got to be disappointed. And sometimes we're the same with God that we don't want disappointment to ruin us so we don't go to God, we just do it on our own. And here's Naaman. It's dirty disgusting if you, I, I don't even know if you're real I'm from Syria, like I don't believe in you I'm trusting an 8 year old girl's advice I'm trusting a man that I've never seen work I don't know if you've ever, if you've got a husband or you know a man, but if you have a group of men and you say you can't do it to the man, they usually say I can do it it's kind of like a peer, peer pressure kind of thing. We just, we're good at it. So I believe that Naaman's friends were like, Naaman, you won't do it. You won't do it, Naaman. He goes, yes, I will watch. And he goes in and he dips once and he looks and the scabs and the scars are still there. His ear is still partly missing and his nose is still scabbed up and not right. And he's like, it didn't work. I'm I'm done. He said seven times, Naaman. Go seven times. Come on, guys, like surely where I'm from is better. Just go again, just try it. By chance today, he might just do it. Alright. He dips twice, three times, four times, five times, nothing's happened. Have you ever gone to God and nothing's happened? And you're like, why? Your family's still a long way from God and you're like, why? America's still up a creek and going through hell. Why? I can't make a difference. Like, and these open wounds are stinging in the salty water and they're, they're hurting. What is it in your world that's being, that needs to be healed today? That he's calling you and saying, Come to me and I will give you healing. Come to me and I will see you completely whole in me. Maybe it's the abuse that was so long ago. Maybe it's the things you've done wrong. Maybe it's your thought processes that you've missed it. So he goes to the water and the sixth time and dips and nothing happens and he starts to walk out. Because where he's from is easier. We're in a generation that sometimes holding on to our pain is so much easier than giving it all to God. Sometimes we keep our problems as our badge of honor. And I wonder whether Naaman was sitting there going, people know me as the, the celebrity guy who's got problems. They know me as the man who was successful and I like it that way. I, I picture him getting into the, walking up to his donkey. And his friends go, he said seven times, Naaman. He said seven times. He goes, yeah, but it's it's too tough. It's too difficult. He goes, just one more. It's all it takes. If you look through the Bible, the, the number seven is a number of completion. They walk around Jericho six times, and on the seventh time, what happens? The walls fall. Victory happened. Here's Naaman at the edge of a creek. Picture him getting down in the mud of life. Do you know your mud, the mess of life, is a message in the making? And the tests that he's thrown you through are testimonies of his greatness. I don't know what happened, but he's like, God, if you're real, if this this whole thing is real. Show up. I don't know where you're asking God to show up, but today He will. Today, he sent Jesus 2,000-some years ago so you could know life and life to the full. See, the most amazing story is Jesus didn't stay a dirty, dead man on a cross that was a, a cross made for Barabbas, a, 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 the hopeless of hopeless. Barabbas, if you look at history, was, was one of three things, a rapist, a murderer, or a thief. Your dirt is no worse than those. Actually, it's not even close. And Jesus bore all pain, all sin, all suffering so you no longer have to so stop carrying it he took a grave made for Joseph so you can know hope and forgiveness so you can know a a future and a hope you no longer have to live hopeless you can live with hope so here's Naaman no hope or pain he dips for the seventh time comes up nothing's happened (laughs) And he starts to walk back to his friends, and they're like, (laughs) and he's like, what's happened? He starts to feel his ear and nose. See, can I tell you something? The scars didn't go, the scars remained, but the wounds were gone. See, the wounds were gone so he he could go home and say, yes, I was a leper, but now I am saved. I am healed. I am set free. So you no longer have to live in your pain and your suffering. He's going to heal your pain and your suffering. Cover them over and say, these are your scars of greatness, not of pain. You're not going to look back at them and go, I can't make it anymore. You're going to look back and go, I am healed because I have a Saviour who is in charge. Today, you don't have to stay how you are. You can move in to Jesus. Friends, I don't know your circumstances or your, your situations, but I do not know my Jesus. And He's taken me through some rides of life. He's put me in some great places. And He's put me in some low places. But can I tell you one thing the whole way through? He's held me. This morning, do you know that Jesus? Do you know him as the one who's forgiven you of your sin? Do you know him as the one who's given you a forgiveness of of all unrighteousness? Do you know him as the one who's your your lover of your soul? Do you know him as the one who wants to take you from death to life, from from darkness to, to light? Do you know that man? And if you don't, today's your day. He loves you, has a purpose and a plan for every one of you. Can I ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads just to give some privacy to the person beside you? If you're in here and go, Joel, I, I need Jesus to come and forgive me of my sin. I'm living away from, I'm living away from Him at the moment. If I was honest with myself, I, I, I would consider myself backslidden. Or maybe you're in here and say, Joel, I've never made the decision for, for Jesus and I need to today. I need forgiveness for my sin. I need to start living a whole right life with Him. And friend, let me tell you, this is just a starting of a journey with Jesus. There's so much more to unlock in Him, but it starts by saying yes to an almighty God who loves you. So if that's you, with every eye closed and head bowed, and you go, Joel, I need Jesus today. Could I ask you to go, Joel, I need forgiveness of my sin. Would you just raise your hand and go, Joel, that's me. Just raise it up nice and high and says, Joel, I need forgiveness. Thank you. Thank you at the back. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. See, this morning, it's not, this is an offer for everyone. If you can't say, Yes, I know Jesus, that I've been living religiously but not Christ following, (laughs) you go, I need Jesus. Wherever you are, quickly just throw your hand up nice and high. Maybe you've been here a thousand times, you go, I just need him. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to count to three, and on three, if you raised your hand, I'd love you to raise it up so I know who everyone I'm praying for. And if you didn't raise your hand, but you know you should have, can you raise it up nice and high so I can pray for you to, at the same time? One, friend, he loves you. He, he, he has a plan and a purpose for you. From the left to the right, to the front to the back. He, he loves you. Today is the day of salvation. Don't miss this moment. Three, throw your hands up wherever you are, say yes to Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Friends, he loves you. That's the most amazing decision you'll ever make. And from here, I I believe that you've got a journey with Jesus. Friends, can we pray this prayer together, family? Everyone, Everyone, you can put your hands down now. You can say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, nice and loud. Say, Jesus, this morning, I thank you that you are the Son of God. And you died on a cross and rose again to give me new life. So I'm forgiven, set free, starting again. I'm a Christ follower, a Christian. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you made that decision today, I know that there is a team at Generations Church that would love to connect with you and and help you continue this journey. Because let me tell you, once you're saved, it's an amazing, uh, you have made your way into heaven, but it's a starting point for hope because you're not going to have a great week sometimes and you're going to need some people to stand with you and i love that pastor scott said that you'll never walk alone and i i I pray that if you can be a part of a community that actually believes that and does that you'll never walk alone because you always have jesus but you'll have a community of believers beside you if you're in here and go joel I'm facing some things at the moment, some circumstances, and I need to go again. I feel like I've stopped on six a few too many times. Would you stand? I'd love to be able to pray for you. Just where you are, that God would move. That maybe you've got some things that God's just highlighting in you. Just stand up. We're gonna. I want to pray for you. I believe the presence of God is a a powerful thing. We sang a song, I Believe in Miracles. Let me tell you, everyone who stood up, stop thinking rationally about your circumstance. Start doing what the Word of God tells you to do because the Word of God is the ultimate catalyst to change in your world. Three, do it all to everything he tells you to do. If you're beside someone, would you put your hand on them? God, you see the people who have stood this morning. I pray you start to move in every one of them that they understand they'll never walk alone in this journey with you. And as they're facing circumstances and they can't see the end, that they're coming to you again this morning. As they're coming to you, that you would do over and above beyond what they give it hope, ask or imagine. That God, that I, what I couldn't even hope or dream that you will do in their life, it will be above that. This morning, I pray for circumstances to switch around, that the scars and the wounds would be be healed, that the, 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 the pains and the insecurities will float away because your grace is sufficient for us in our weakness. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing and what you will accomplish in every one of these circumstances. And I believe in testimonies of God's goodness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.